The Mac Observer's Matt Geek Gab, episode 572, for Sunday, September 27th, 2015. Folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips, your questions, and your cool stuff found. We share your tips, we share your cool stuff found, we answer your questions. The goal, of course, every time we get together is to learn something new. People have called us Car Talk for Apple Geeks, and we'll take it. Sponsors for this episode include iMazing at iMazing.com, which we'll talk about shortly. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG, where you can start building your website. Two new sponsors today, Crucial.com, which I'm happy to talk about in a little bit, as well as Bushel from Jam Software at Bushel.com slash MGG. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun, and back to... And here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Lucas Hamilton. It's good. It's uh, nice to have you back, kiddo. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to be here. Yeah. So uh, the part of the reason I wanted to have Lucas here today is we uh, are going to talk about both El Capitan and the new iPhones, kind of the adjustment to iOS 9 and all of that stuff. And uh, and Lucas has been, has been on that edge this time with us. So I thought he had, uh, as always, would have an interesting perspective representing the uh the younger half of the um the listening audience so glad to have you here man yeah good to be here sweet all right john uh we've all installed el capitan this week what uh and and so the part of the reason that we we did this here was we wanted to talk to you folks uh share our experiences both good and bad the kind of the fun things that we like about it any pitfalls we've encountered so that you're ready when the release came out and we've all put the gm on presumably not much will have changed but if if we found any weird bugs that we expect would have changed we'll just kind of leave those out of the discussion um and really just focus on on the overall experience and things that realistically will remain consistent between the GM and, and the release that everybody gets on Wednesday. So, uh, so John, I think, I think you've installed it most recently. So why don't you, uh, why don't you kick us off a little bit here? Uh, yeah, I guess we'll kick a, so what I did is I, uh, and for goodness sake, do this before you do any major upgrade like this. So I first did a carbon copy cloner backup of the drive in my uh of the ssd in my macbook pro and did it to a drive in a usb uh enclosure one of the little owc uh jobs there because i didn't want to put it on my primary drive all right so we didn't back yours up lucas in fact it was during the el capitan install process where i i had that exact thought john that oh we got to make sure the backup is is current and lucas's machine hasn't been backing up at all since we uh since we kind of rolled over to that one so that's something we need to fix yeah 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 all right so you know went to the uh developer site got the download code downloaded it um on a different machine and then copied the installer uh over to that external drive and ran it and you know pretty much like any other installer it uh you know it took a little while to uh, do its thing but when it was done i i booted from that external drive and i was experiencing the glory that is el capitan 
Now, I, I want to talk through that a little bit um, because it, if you want to save a copy of the what will happen when you do the normal thing through the app store, it will download the installer to your applications folder and you'll run it from there. That's the default sort of path. Once the install is finished, that installer is gone right from your applications folder. Uh, so if you want to save a copy of the installer somewhere else, copy it before you do the installation. And that's pretty consistent with, with all the app store based versions of OS 10. Just, uh, just bear that in mind. You can always redownload a copy, but it, whatever, you know, many, many gigabytes. It's, it's, uh, it's better to take one. Yep. 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 And that actually leads to, uh, one question, which, uh, I think you were setting me up for here is we got a question from John regarding this exact situation. And John wrote in and said, with El Capitan coming out, I would like some guidance as to how to install on my four Macs presently running Yosemite. Is there a way to download once on a thumb drive and then install from it to each of the machines? Uh, Mac, Pro, Mac Pro, two MacBook Pros, and a Mac Mini. Otherwise, I may be downloading EC until uh, the cows come home. <laughs> uh, thanks for the great show. And thank you for listening. And the answer is yes, you can create a bootable installer. Uh, for those that don't know, um, this is something that Apple added uh, back in Mavericks, but it is hidden and we will tell you how to find it. Well, actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to tell you the article. And actually, Apple has an article called Create a Bootable Installer for Mac OS X Mavericks or Yosemite. And I double check. So basically, you have to dig into the uh, installer that you download. And they have a command buried in there uh, called Create Install Media. So I would say that's probably what you want to do before you run the installer, because as Dave pointed out, it, it goes away once you're done, is run this create install media. Um, no, yeah, so you, you can save yourself having to do the download multiple times. Right, right. And I, I just looked to see if DiskMaker X or DiskMaker 10 at DiskMakerX.com was El Capitan capable because it, it sort of makes that process a lot smoother and simpler, but it seems like their betas have been pulled offline because of some major bug earlier this month. So perhaps not yet for El Capitan. You got to do it the Apple way. All right. So we've got El Capitan on there and we'll talk through if, if in fact there have been any pitfalls and I think there probably has been one or two, but, uh, but let's talk about some of the new features that there, there certainly most of what El Capitan does is, uh, I think, things under the hood. If we if we compared the the number of of things that have changed, but there are certainly some uh, above the hood, and I'd love to talk through some of those. So I'm going to throw it to you, Lucas. Uh, tell us uh, about uh, what what you've seen in El Capitan, like what some of your favorite uh, favorite things are. Yeah. So one new thing that's really cool, especially for me in school with projects and things, using split screen can help if you're reading an article and also trying to r record it in another, you know, wherever in pages or on Google Docs, you can split screen and even move the slider just like you can in iOS 9 so that you can have maybe the article a little bit smaller. Maybe that takes up a fourth of the screen and three-fourths of the screen is where you're writing so you can see that better. It's a really nice tool just for instead of switching back and forth. Now, how do you invoke that in, in El Capitan? Because when you mentioned it to me, I knew the feature existed. I had seen all the stuff. I had been running El Capitan. I had not run the split screen thing even once. So how is it invoked? So how you do it is if you have a tab that is split screen and 
enabled. So it has to be a split screen enabled app to some degree. Yeah. Okay. And then you would hold down on the green plus make the screen larger button. Yep. And then there will be a two sides and you can drag that to either side. And on the side that you don't drag that window to all other split screen possible screens that you have open will show up on the other side and then you can click on the one that you want and then it'll bring you right to your split screen mode. Okay. So it's kind of, it sounds like kind of like uh, mission control where you're, you're in that mission control thing and it just highlights everything you can select. This sort of uh, limits the, your selections down to things that will work in this mode. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I had never thought about it from a homework, you know, kind of point of view, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Cause you, that way everything else is sort of out of sight, out of mind. And the nice part is you don't have to rearrange all your windows to make this happen. Yeah, it just works right away once you... Yeah. Huh. Very cool. Very cool. All right, what's the second one? Um, Something that I actually haven't had a lot of chances to use yet, but I like there has been times if you lose your mouse, if you have too many windows open, just shaking it back and forth will make it pop up really big, and then you can find it. Yeah. I haven't put El Capitan on my machine at the office where I have two monitors yet, but... I know that that's going to be one where not yeah because I lose it constantly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I um when I was digging around in the preferences, you know, we've had the ability to automatically hide and show the dock uh, for a long time. When you move to where the dock is, either on the bottom by default or if you've put it on the side, you can have the dock slide in and out, which on a smaller laptop screen is really kind of handy. Now the menu bar can do the same thing. Preference uh, system preferences general. And then there's a checkbox automatically hide and show the menu bar, which is pretty darn cool. I thought so. How about you, John? A feature or two? Um, maybe a negative. <laughs> I, I have more warnings. Right. I haven't really dabbled with many of the features here. So, so why don't we run? Why don't we run through the features and then we'll get to the yeah. warnings? Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Do you have another one, Lucas? Yeah, really just, it's sort of broad, but the whole spotlight has changed majorly. It looks the same, so when you bring up command space, it still pops up the same window, but it's a lot more powerful. If you knew that you got an email from Dave yesterday, or he said that you did, you can just search email from Dave, and the newest emails will pop up, and it'll, you know, just search through, and you can find whatever you're looking for. And you wow. can you can also now move spotlight. So if it's covering whatever you were trying to search for, you can move it off to the corner and then search from there. So while I'm using spotlight as my calculator, which is what I use it as uh, most of the time I can uh, now I don't, it doesn't have to be right there in the middle of the screen. No, it can move wherever you want it to. Oh, nice. Does it, when it pops back and I haven't moved it yet. Uh, so forgive me, but when it pops back up, does it pop up in the middle again or does it, does it stay where you moved it to? Does it remember? It stayed wherever you had it last. Okay. So if I tuck it over in the corner of the screen, I got to remember that I did that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pretty cool. Hey, the, um, the notes engine in, in El Capitan is something to pay a lot of attention to because it has changed dramatically. And according to our friends at Amazing, uh, there are more changes that are under the hood in notes that we haven't seen exposed in the features yet. It's a completely new notes engine. It's getting closer, but it doesn't quite get to being, you know, on like the, the on par with Evernote. But there's a lot more going on in there. And there are, like I said, some of these under the hood features that sort of hint at the possibility of collaborative note editing and that sort of thing coming. Um, and we know how Apple is with this stuff, right? They, they build frameworks that are very robust, but 
they, they expose them solely to, to make sure we get it right. And the new notes engine is uh, it syncs between El Capitan and iOS nine, but that's uh, you got to be careful because if you're running a, a machine without one of those two, and of course it is important to remember that El Capitan runs on pretty much everything that ran Yosemite and, and iOS nine runs on everything that ran iOS eight, albeit not with all the features, but like, for example, you're running El Capitan and this, this I think is one of its best features. You're running El Capitan on what was that? A 2008 MacBook pro John, right? That, that, uh, uh, that became Lucas. No, 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 no. I, I the, think it was. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, it's a 2008 oh, MacBook Pro, machine, the one that my Lucas is running it on. Yeah, yeah, that's an early 2008. Yes. Yeah, uh, right? So, and it runs, you're not seeing any performance issues or no, anything? That works there? great. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's a huge feature. Um, so, so you know, there may be reasons, I think that John's going to go into in a, in, a, in a minute here, that you may not want to upgrade to El Capitan, but uh, most machines that are out there today will be able to, if in fact it's going to support what you want. Um, a couple other things just to run through really quickly here. Do you have any, do you have anything no. else on your list? Lucas? Well, notes. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I do want to mention, so, so with notes here, now this is kind of, uh, I'm going to talk about the phone early, but, but mm. I think it's appropriate now when you upgrade to nine <clears throat> on your phone, what's going to happen. And I saw this on both my uh, iPad and my, my shiny new phone here. Notes is going to come up and say, hey, there's something new coming, but um, if you want to take full advantage of it, you're going to have to be running both iOS 9 and have El Capitan installed them because I do not have El Capitan committed yet. I chose not to do the upgrade. Okay. So you're, you so were- what you're going to see. So what I see in notes right now on my phone is I see next to iCloud a little upgrade button. So one, once all my machines are on the latest OS, then I'll I'll pull the trigger and, and do the upgrade to the new notes format. But at this point I'm still running the old boring notes. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, one last thing I'll throw out. There's quite a few things. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to third party extensions and photos and all of that stuff, but disc utility got a total makeover and being geeks, you know, we spend some time in disc utility. So you get a whole different view of what your discs look like. Your tools are now at the top, the first aid, the, you know, partitioning tools, all of that stuff. You get to see the graphical representation of how your disk space is used. So kind of that iOS style bar graph that, that shows, you know, here's what your apps take up. Here's what your photos take up. Here's, you know, other, which of course is always the largest one. And you have no idea what that is, but, or at least disk utility doesn't maybe you do. So I, I, um, I think it's actually pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, so there you go. All right, John, do you have any, uh, anything, anything else on El Capitan for you, Lucas? No. Okay. John, do you want to take us uh, through your, your little, your, your El Capitan uh, concerns? Well, concerns. So, so the one thing is that you're going to have to be careful, but because of changes uh, or what they now call system integrity protection, I believe. Yeah. A lot of you, and that's why I, I stress, you may want to make a backup so you can uh, you can go back if you want. Yeah, but several backup. things. That's right. Yep. Several things are not going to work, and here are a few that I found. Now that they've since uh, so, so the, a lot of devs you're going to see now um, have updated their apps. So run you know, the apps that you use and click on the update button, or it may auto update. Um, here are a few things that I found. So um, 
And one, we actually had a, a question uh, from uh, Richard asking about default folder. Um, default folder is kind of in a weird state right now. So, so with default folder four, which is what we're all currently running, um, if you want it to be fully functional under El Capitan, you're going to have to disable system integrity protection. Now, whether you want to do that or not, uh, it's up to you. Um, now, what, what's uh, involved? I'll, I'll just, how do you do it? Briefly. Uh, I have a, a, So you didn't, you didn't it. turn it off. Talk, turn it off yeah okay no i know there's a way to disable it i think you have to dig around it i i i don't know the exact procedure okay i'll admit yeah but no we'll, we'll find fine. something yeah but um a lot of things won't work because it, it, it imposes certain restrictions on what uh, programs can do in the os so uh so i found default folder and actually when i got the upgrade they said yep you're gonna have to disable it if you want it to work in uh, el capitan but version 5 is coming out soon so Okay. Know about default folder, um, and then another question. So I found this interesting. So this is why you may want to do uh, an upgrade install versus a fresh install. So we also had uh, so a listener Frank wrote in and said, "Hey, what's up with Aperture and El Capitan?" And I was actually kind of surprised here. So again, I did an upgrade install. So I already have Aperture, which of course is running fine under Yosemite. Um. On my upgrade, my machine upgraded to the uh, El Capitan GM. Aperture still runs. Huh. I ran it. it, it I, I opened my Aperture library. Aperture launched. Uh, I, I was able to push a photo out to uh, Flickr. I, I haven't done anything beyond that, but but it runs. It doesn't, you know, I was led to believe that Aperture is not going to work. And, and actually it doesn't in a sense, because then he asked, well, you know, how do I upgrade to the latest version of Aperture? And, and what you can do under um, Yosemite is that if you delete Aperture in your app store, if you've purchased it, you will then see the button that says install. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's interesting. I'm like, let me see if that works in an El Capitan. And at least uh, in my environment, it did not. No if go. I deleted Aperture and then clicked on it, it showed up in my app store and I had an install button. When I clicked on it, it just grayed out and it did not oh. reinstall it. Interesting. So, uh, so as far as I can tell, you can still use Aperture, but you're going to have to do a, a upgrade install and not a fresh install. Right. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. So I did find the article or an article describing how to disable system integrity protection. It requires going to the terminal and running a CSR util command. That's all one word. And, and you run it and say disable, enable, or status. And if you either either one of the first two options requires a reboot and then that system integrity protection is off. And that's the thing that prevents apps from running in root mode, you know, regardless of the permission you grant them. So uh, it, it is Apple's way of saying, no, you know, we we want to keep this stuff protected. But uh, but as you pointed out, John, it it comes at a cost. All right. And so two other things that I found that oh, didn't seem to Sorry. work. So one is Total Finder. It actually comes up with an alert saying, hey, I'm having a problem with Apple events. Um, what, what they're really saying, though, and I think Total Finder, the guy that writes it, um, pretty much said, I'm, I'm not going to. It would be too much work to try to circumvent the protections in El Capitan. Uh, and the last thing uh, in a similar vein, uh, iStat menus, even though I had it installed and it showed it was running, none of none of those things appeared in my uh menu bar at least with the version that i have uh, yep. i haven't checked so 
those are just warnings. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to check. You know, I didn't even think of checking disutility because now that brought up, and I think this was a, a past discussion that was on, on the TMO daily was um, that you don't repair permissions anymore. It's just well, right. not an option, right. right? It's not, it's not an option because nothing should be changing them. That's right. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. But, you know, we'll see. All right. Uh, so we obviously El Capitan is going to be a, a regular topic, just like everything else that, that kind of comes into our ecosystem here. But I just wanted to give us a little a little primer. iOS 9 and new phones came out on Friday as well. Uh, actually, iOS 9 came out a week ago, but uh, but the new phones arrived in in uh, or began arriving in people's hands on Friday. And I believe all three of us have migrated up lucas you migrated up to a six right yep. from uh from last year and and john you've got a success and i've got a success plus so i wanted to just kind of talk through uh a couple of the the things we've we've noticed it and one of the things so for folks that um and i'm you just spilled water everywhere didn't you yeah it's awesome um you go go grab that red towel that's right over there, yep. and so and now I'm, uh, while you're getting the towel, I'm going to put you in the spot, Lucas. So you um, you upgraded to a you went from a phone, and I believe this is true of of uh, not oh not of John, uh, you you but you went from a phone that didn't have Touch ID to one that does, yeah. And we had to you noticed something every time you go to unlock your phone, and that's that you forget. Yeah, I keep. Cause I had kept the same password on my phone that I did when I had not touch ID. And I found myself, even though I had touch ID, I kept entering my password that I had used. And every time I would get about halfway through entering my password and realize I had, and should be using touch ID since it just makes it easier. So what I ended up doing is I just changed it to an alphanumeric password so that when I went over to enter my password, I would see that it looked different and remember to use touch ID and it's been working fine for me now. Has that? Okay. Yeah. Cause I got to do that. I'm, you know, I've been checking out this new iPad mini four, which is the same scenario. It's got touch ID in an environment where I was not used to having it. And, and I, I do the same thing. I'm typing the password constantly and then remembering, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's gone. No, I actually have an observation on this success, Dave. Yeah. Uh, touch ID is very fast. It's too fast. I, on the yes, six, on the in, 6s series yeah because the thing is i unintentionally so on my 5s it was slow enough where if i had my thumb which uh, so i use both thumbs for for my uh, sure. touch id finger fingers fingers um, sure yeah. it unlocks it too quick yep before i was used to it I, I was used to be able to to hit the button and not have it recognized now it's almost too fast and yep. so i if i hit the home button to to make something happen i got to make sure not to do it with my touch ID finger. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I just did it. I saw, I, I woke up my phone here and I saw a notification on the home screen and uh, just the, the act of pushing the button in leaves my finger. You know, I have to, if I'm going to push the home button in, I have to take my finger off the home button, which means it has to rise up with it. And that act is long enough for it to, to do it. Now, how's touch ID been for you? Cause you've got like a weird cut or, or, blister on your thumb or something yeah my right thumb has a weird blister on it but it's actually been fine i've went into settings and then under touch id you have to enter your password but then if you're just sitting on the touch id and password like menu in settings you could just enter your thumb and it'll learn it more so i've been 
doing that a bunch and it seems to work better. It does. Okay, good. Yeah, it does. It does. It learns every time you use it, not even just on the setting screen, but, but you know, on the unlock screen, it's constantly learning and updating itself. So, uh, okay. Well, that's good. Anything else about uh, any other any other tips? I want to I want to kind of go through our experiences too, but but figured I'd just start with with the tips and the the highlights here. John, uh, I mean, I was going to go over my upgrade experience because this was the smoothest one I have due to the nature of of both my carrier and phone. All right, any any other tips? Because otherwise, I'm going to uh, I'm going to cut Lucas loose because he actually needs to go do a geometry final here. But uh, I mean, you're welcome to stay. Yeah, I think I should get going with that. Okay. Yeah. Anything uh, Anything else that uh, that has been interesting for you moving to the, the? I mean, you went to a larger phone, right? You went from the five series to the six uh, regular six series. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, right. Yeah, but cool. It's been a good experience. Good. Good. All right. Well, thanks for coming, kiddo. Yeah. And uh, we will. Uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Good luck on your on your geometry final. Thanks. All right. All right, John. You want to talk us through your your upgrade experience there? So the upgrade. Oh, I think we just lost our connection again. No, no, we're here. Oh, okay. You're there. All right. Um. So the upgrade was really smooth with with uh with this phone. So um. My last migration was from an iPhone 4 to the 5S. And the difference there was that the 4 did not have a SIM in it because it was a CDMA-only phone. Uh, and whereas the 5 um, is multiband, you know, it's CDMA and uh, GSM. Uh, but they also introduced the SIM. So this, Dave, so what I did was did a full backup, <clears throat> an encrypted backup using iTunes, and uh, that is bringing up uh, an issue with 9.0.1, which uh, I think we'll, we'll address in, in more detail shortly. But my experience was, uh, you know, got it. Uh, I was waiting for the FedEx guy. First, they promised it by three o'clock and then they changed it and promised it by eight. But it okay. came before three. And actually what caused the guy to come is I went outside to do some work on my car. And all of a sudden I saw the FedEx truck pull up, pull up. I knew that was going to happen. I'm like, okay, I have to do something to cause the guy to drive up. So took the phone out. Uh, the instructions were pretty straightforward. You call a 1-800 number, um, uh, which, which gives them a heads up that you're going to be switching your phone. Basically shut off my old five, uh, took the SIM out of my five, put it in the six S turned it on. And then, uh, you know, it walks you through a few steps and says, Hey, you want to restore from iTunes? And I'm like, yep. And that was really it. And then it, you know, sucked all my data, all my apps, um, uh, everything over and, um, only one hiccup. So here's the thing, though, is that so the apps are stored in the backup now, right? It seems they've changed things with nine. Well, and I actually noticed this. Um, well, I think they did, because the thing is, I also noticed So I had a time machine backup run and, and I noticed it was larger than normal. And when I looked uh, using a tool that shows you what's in it, the backup file is much larger now that, that it stores for the phone. I Yeah, um, I noticed that, too, but. Oh, okay. I, and maybe you're right. I, I didn't dig deep into this. I didn't, uh, I, I thought it was that the, um, yeah, I, I, I know, I know where you're going with this. I didn't think it was related to that, but, but yeah, go ahead. I, I believe it is in part, but, um, but anyways, now I did have annoyingly. So, so most of my apps restored or, or well, no, they all restored, but several of them were stuck in a waiting state. Yes. I saw, I've um, seen this, I've seen this twice, 
three times now upgrading my phone and then Lisa's phone to my old phone and then Lucas's phone to Lisa's old phone. Yeah. Yep. Now, someone told me, one of my uh, Twitter followers told me, well, if, if you just have some patience, John, the waiting will eventually go away and they will fully restore. But I don't have time for this. Well, the, the waiting is the hardest <laughs> part, John. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Yeah, they should do a song with that in it. Yeah. Um, so what I did is I was impatient. So I basically uh, went to the app store on the phone for those apps that were waiting, basically reinstalled them yep. or re-downloaded them. You know, I, I typed in the name of the app and it, and it showed the little cloud icon. And I'm like, okay, do your thing. And that restored those apps. And here's, and here's a tip. Stops the waiting. And it basically, yeah, it re-downloads the app. And but yes, it, please, your don't, tip, sir. Yeah, don't delete those apps that are in the waiting state because when you re-download the app from the app store, it will inherit all of the settings that you pulled in from your backup, right? And and that's the important part. Yes, the app's not there. Yes, it shows in that dark mode and, and it's a little weird and all of that. But you're okay because your data's there. You just got to get the app on there before you blow away that data and deleting it. The only thing you're deleting is the data because the app's not actually there, right? Not yet. So just just be aware. And and, and like you said, John, you know, the, the patience factor here is high. Um, I had to go through the restore a couple times on on two devices. It would not uh, restore from the backup. It gave me an error. And after that fails twice, it just leaves you in a state where it just starts syncing things to the phone and, and it and like skips restoring from the backup. So I had to go all the way from the beginning and restore the phone again and all of that. But again, just keep at it and do it right. You're going to be fine. John, I want to get to our first round of sponsors. I said, we have, uh, we've got quite a few today and, and a couple of new ones. Sound good to you? Let's go. The first sponsor I want to tell you about today is iMazing, the awesome iOS device data management software. You can get this at iMazing.com. And what iMazing does is it allows you to really manage all the data on your iOS device. iMazing 1.3 is now out and it solves the problem of not being able to selectively backup and restore individual app data. They got very creative with how they were able to do this because due to some security concerns, the way they used to do it was blocked and understandably so, but they've worked it out. iOS remains secure and yet you can still with iMazing now back up and restore individual app data. You can even do it across devices. You save it out as an iMazing app file. Uh, it doesn't actually contain the application. So it's not like you're transferring anything copyrighted or anything like that. Uh, it's just the data. In fact, you can put it on a device that you're not even logged into. You just have to have the app on there. So that's step one of iMazing 1.3. Uh, iMazing 1.3 also restores the ability to browse the files of all of your apps. Some apps don't allow this. And iOS 8.4 and, of course, iOS 9 blocked that. Well, they've come up with a very creative way to let you see the data in your apps. If the app lets you see it, iMazing will show it to you directly. If the app doesn't let you see it, they show it to you from a backup, but they've blended the views together so that you're getting your data where you expect to see it. You got to check it out. iMazing 1.3 also supports the new iOS 9 notes format and, uh, and 
all kinds of great speed improvements as well have happened recently there. So check it out. iMazing from iMazing.com. Coupon code MGG gets you 20% off. Check it out. iMazing.com. Our second sponsor for today is a new sponsor. I'm happy to welcome Crucial to Mac Geekab. John and I have both been fans of Crucial for a long time using both their memory and actually now we both use Crucial SSDs in some of our Macs here as well. Crucial is a brand of Micron, one of the largest memory manufacturers in the world and has more than 35 years of expertise to create the most reliable memory. And that also means some of the most reliable SSDs. Crucial products are not end assembled. Everything is made start to finish by them, ensuring quality throughout the process. Uh, They have an awesome website in less than a minute. You can find guaranteed compatible memory and SSD upgrades using their Crucial Advisor. So you visit the website, you go to Crucial.com, launch the Crucial Advisor, tell it what kind of Mac you have or a Windows machine. They do both. And they'll tell you what the what upgrades are available. And they're not like Apple where they're limiting what uh, what you can get. They know what will actually work in your Mac because they've tested this stuff. So you'll be sure to get the maximum out of it. When you go and buy memory, I've got crucial memory and I think three of my Macs here and it's awesome. It works great. Prices are awesome. And again, I'm running a crucial SSD in one of the Macs I have over at the house and I love it. Super fast, super reliable, no problems whatsoever. You got to check this out. You know what it's like to have an SSD. John and I tell you about this all the time. Even John got on board getting an SSD because it's finally faster. So check it out. Go to crucial.com. Check out their crucial advisor. And that way you'll be sure to get what you need. They've got great customer support and you're going to be booting up faster. They are going to take your Mac and help you extend the life of that in a huge, huge way. Ram and SSD is the way to go. And you know what? They're both memory. Crucial's been doing this for a long time. You got to check them out. Please go to crucial.com and check it out. All right. And I think we lost John during, uh, during that, but I think you're back, right, John? I'm back. All right, sweet. Yeah. Perfect Skype's, timing. Uh, Skype's freaking out on us. Today. Skype has but, crashed but it, it on me twice. Yes. Wow. Yeah, wow. Not, uh, um, not good. But you know, I'm glad... You mentioned iMazing, Dave, because I actually, uh, I didn't mention this, but I'll mention this as well, is I also use that to do uh, not only a, a backup of my phone, but also to back up the individual applications. Because um, as I mentioned, I think the nature of managing apps has changed now in iTunes. Yeah, it ha- right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good uh, and timely that they were able to get that out. Uh, good stuff. All right, John, so... so Dave. Yes. Fun new features on the phone? Yes. Just my observation. So here, yeah, please. So now, yeah. Uh, or it, in, the, in the OS here. So number one, Dave, dude, this battery low power mode. I, I charged up my phone yesterday and I was out and about. I was using it, but I charged my phone yesterday. Sure. I, I have it in low power mode. You can tell it's in low power mode because the battery icon turns yellow and I'm at 62%. I yeah. used to go, I used to burn through a battery in about a day. Now this has a slightly larger battery than the, um, the, the than the 5S, I believe. Oh, uh, right. It's a smaller battery than the six, believe it or not. 
Yeah, I heard that. But yeah. um, but to me, so that's one thing that, that I think is a really neat feature is that uh, it restricts some of the things, uh, what, what they consider non-essential things that the phone does. But, it, you know, I still get notifications and alerts and, and stuff like that. But it it it, it just it, it seems to be a smarter mode here. And I'm all for it because, you know, I'd. I always hated to have to remember to charge my phone every day. And it looks like now I, I, at the current burn rate, I can, it looks like I'll be able to go two days. That's awesome. Without having to charge it. Yeah. It, it um, does restrict one of my favorite features, which is the new, uh, I have to be careful. I do this cause it's right in front of me. The new Hey Siri mode. Um, the, uh, you can, you can talk to your phone and say things like, Hey Siri play, you know, uh, Frank Zappa's Broadway, the hard way. Right. And, and it'll go and and play that album. It doesn't have to be plugged in to do it. Uh, in fact, it doesn't even have to be awake and unlocked to do it, but I have my phone set so that it, it does. You can, you can control all that in, uh, I believe in privacy and I'll, I'll find that setting, but, uh, but, it, the new that that new Hey Siri thing is is a fun a fun feature and I find especially in the car really really handy but but low power mode turns it off understandably because it's not listening to you all the time so you know. yeah I turned that off I, I just find that uh, <clears throat> kind of silly I don't know I, oh, I don't want the phone, I, I don't want the phone to be listening to me all the time yeah so that's it, one neat feature it's the I, I, feature, I, I I recommend don't mm-hmm. folks don't dismiss it until you've tried it because I I like you I thought oh yeah you know whatever it's like the okay Google thing whatever and man in the car not having to even push a button to do anything it's awesome so yep uh, number two now you were ahead of the curve on this but I gotta say I'm kind of digging Apple pay dude it was so easy. And now I let everybody else, you know, get the bugs out here. But dude, it was so easy. I was able to register all but one of my cards Yep. between the OCR and the conversation with the bank and stuff like that. It was it was really cool. And the first place I used it was Cumberland Farms. Okay. Um, but I knew it would work because I've used wireless cards there before and it worked fine. And then I used it at Whole Foods the other day. And uh, it's really neat. It makes it really easy to spend your money. Um the other feature on this phone that I find interesting, but, but I have seen in my feed here, a lot of people are kind of getting confused by it, um, is the 3D touch, not force touch, but 3D touch. It's kind of interesting, but if the thing that I think confuses a lot of people is that if you click on something that doesn't have it enabled, then it does something you may not expect. Okay. Right. Yeah. It, it, right. It, it, it's one of, I actually like 3D touch, uh, I've only had it for what, you know, a, a day and a half, maybe uh, it needs to like everything else with our multi-touch and gesture based interfaces. It needs to enter the vernacular, right? Our, our, and by that, I mean our way of communicating with our phone. It needs to be part of our language uh, and, and an automatic part of it there, you know, at that. But I think it very quickly will be, you know, it's like, like Lucas was saying with the, with the password thing, we all, if you've been using an iPhone and this is not your first iPhone, the 3D touch thing is not going to be a habit yet because it's brand new. You're going to be able to do all the things that you did without it. Force yourself to use it a little bit, you know, and and it will, it you know, very quickly, like the apps that don't have it or or even environments in an app that has it, but, you know, where you would expect it to work and it doesn't. And it kind of gives you the, the, the head shake like, nope, not here. Um I want it there, you know, cause it is, it, it is kind of cool, but it's, it's weird pushing on it. Uh, I will say this. I, 
I got my phone. I tested the 3D touch thing. And then I put a glass, uh, uh, tempered glass shield on the phone. 3D touch works exactly the same with tempered glass shields. So do not hesitate if you are someone like me who likes to put them on. Uh, Go ahead and search Amazon, though, for as an aside here for tempered glass shields. You can pay 40 bucks for one uh, or you can pay like six. And I think it was actually Anchor that uh, that had a a tempered glass shield for the 6S for like seven bucks or something. So just do that. It's easier. You know, it's cheaper. I got to say, honestly, I... They could have implemented, I mean, this is basically contextual menus for iOS, right? Yes, that's exactly right. It's control clicking or right clicking. Yep, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was necessary for them to introduce a, a new a, a hardware requirement and that they could have implemented this in the OS by just allowing you to hold on something and then hold longer. This is a bit more. Well, we've already I, had I hold say. longer, though. I mean, hold longer yeah. is a different thing. Um, and it sort of did some of this, but, but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, I think it's good. I mean, why not? They, they created it for the watch. The nice part is they've updated the vibration or the the vibrator in the phone. Are we allowed to say that, um, to be a haptic engine. So it, it works a little bit better and, and all that good stuff, but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. It, it wasn't absolutely necessary, but let's be honest smartphones weren't absolutely necessary until we had them either. And it wasn't that long ago. This show is older than the iPhone. So bear that in mind. Um, I don't know what that, I don't know what that means, but you know, there you go. Um, The only thing I noticed with Apple pay is that it seems, uh, because you confirmed this to me is that on the six S there seems to be a small bug is that you, if you invoke the wallet app, Mm -hmm. the, the, the text kind of overflows. It's a little too big. However, if you invoke the wallet by double clicking the home button, which is something you can enable, yeah. then everything fits on the screen just fine. So it's kind of, or, or double. I think you hit the home button from the lock screen and that also activates um, uh, the, the wallet. That's the only hiccup that I noticed. Huh. Um, well, they'll fix that. Yeah. No, the other people have confirmed that. But okay. when I asked you, I'm like, well, dude, if you're on your wallet, do you see? So I, I think it's specific just to the 6S and 9.0.1. Yeah. So I'm yep. sure they'll fix it. All, all, dude. I'm, I'm glad I upgraded and uh, cool. You know, like I think I mentioned here, I'm, you know, paying. You know, I switched my plan. Also, um, I'm, right. I'm very happy with the experience I had at my local, which they informed me. So I have a Verizon corporate store, and they were able to both give me the 300 Verizon bucks, um, which they did early. <laughs> so they actually, because last time, as I mentioned, I had a real nightmare getting my my rebate dollars from them. This time, they gave it to me before I gave them the old phone back. So um, nice. And, you know, I, I and, and I got a pre-order. I didn't, you know, stay. Well, I stayed up with all you crazy people, but I, I didn't order it until two days later. And, right. And they still had still, some on reserve. You still got it on time. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, so, so far I'm, I'm very happy, very happy success customer. Awesome. 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 All right, John, I know we promised that this show would be, uh, nothing but cool stuff found or at least implied that that certainly was my intention coming into prepping for this week and then we had too much stuff going on so we're gonna we kind of we're gonna go through our uh, our cool stuff found highlights uh, a little bit of these and i'm gonna start with Corey. uh a because it's a good tip and b because we love Corey. Corey is uh cory emdick is the gentleman who is 
the father of our Mac Geek Gab iOS app. I highly encourage you to download it at Corey's, partially at Corey's uh, suggestion. I'm not going to say insistence because he didn't insist. He's far too nice for that. But uh, but we made the app free for all of you. So uh, you all get to really enjoy and experience Corey's work. So go ahead and download that today. Unrelated to the app, Corey says, I was listening to the discussion about photos, uh, sharing photos from the photos app. And the person asking the question wanted to know how to share how to share to eBay a website. Dragging to the desktop is definitely a great way to do this, but there's another way of doing it that many people don't realize. In any app, when you get a file open dialog, like for example Safari, when you click upload in eBay, you can stroll scroll down in the left bar to the media section and pick photos. From here, you have access to your entire photos library, including albums or any other organization you have put in place. Just select the photo or photos you want, and they will get exported and uploaded automatically. It's essentially the same as dragging to the desktop, but without having files on your desktop that you need to clean up later and skipping a step. That's awesome. Thank you, Corey. Good, good stuff. Harvey says, uh, Oh, where are we with Harvey? Sorry. I got too much going on. It's broken wrist is a pain in the neck with the, uh, with the splint on it, but hopefully the splint comes off before we talk next. Uh, he says, I, I'm not sure if I heard this from you folks or if I happened upon it myself when making a phone call from your iPhone to someone else who has an iPhone, don't make your call using the phone app. Use either FaceTime or Skype and do it as an audio call. The reception, assuming you're in a good Wi-Fi or cellular spot is much clearer and understandable than regular phone calls. Try it. Call someone using the phone and talk for a while and then call them back using FaceTime audio only and check out the difference. My son called us from Japan and it sounded like he was in the next room. Yeah, so, I mean, we've we've probably talked about this, Harvey, maybe not as, as succinctly as you did here, so thank you for that. But, of course, John and I uh, are, are no strangers to the ability uh, for Skype and, and really any VoIP calls, and that's what FaceTime audio is to make it sound like you're in the next room, because that's our goal with this show is to sound like we are in the same room together. And in fact, we're not, we're in separate rooms, in separate homes, in separate States buffered by Massachusetts, right? <laughs> At the moment. Last, anyway. we Last we checked. That's right. So, uh, but yeah, you're right now. Uh, two things about this. Number one, uh, especially if you are on a data limited plan, make sure you're doing these calls on Wi-Fi. Uh, or just be aware of your data cap because FaceTime and Skype are voice over IP technologies and will burn your data, not your phone minutes. So if you have free phone minutes, maybe you will uh, be able to suffer through the quality. Of course, calling from the U.S. to Japan, which I believe is what was happening with Harvey here, uh, it might be way cheaper to use something like FaceTime or Skype. I will avoid advise against Skype on the iPhone. Not that the quality is bad. It's not. It's awesome. Just like what we have here. Uh, everything works fine. My experience with Skype on the iPhone, however, has been that if you leave yourself logged in such that you can receive calls, Skype's battery management is uh, not great. And, and I'm being kind here. Skype's whole infrastructure is built on what's called a thick client. It's, you know, it was based on a peer to peer system where uh, your computer kind of connects to everybody 
and and it's all distributed and that's how it works and and that's why they're able to kind of you know navigate and dance through firewalls and that sort of thing but it it causes quite a bit of battery drain they've been working on this actually quite hard but until they really change their their underlying foundation it's still just going to be a battery hog on ios especially compared to facetime which is just sort of there and all the time so uh so if you can do facetime do that instead if you have to do skype just make sure you really log out uh, of skype on your iphone otherwise it'll it'll uh, it may stay logged in in the background now, speaking of burning data, yeah, I actually had this happen a little while ago. Yeah, so the iPad that I have came with the T-Mobile um, uh, two hundred megabytes of data a month. Okay, unfortunately, I had a uh, app update in progress as I was taking it from my home to uh, another home. Uh, had an event, at, uh, a family event. Yep, and unfortunately, it burned through my two hundred megabytes of data because I didn't say don't do this. So, so one tip here you know, to manage your data under iOS is to, uh, you know, restrict what things can do. But then also, Dave, I think this is a feature. I don't know if it's specific to uh, Verizon, but if I go into on this phone here, settings, cellular, at the very bottom, there's a little feature here called, called Wi-Fi assist. Yeah, that's not, that's not Verizon only. That's iOS nine uh, okay. wide. Yep. And, and the feature is automatically use cellular data when Wi-Fi connectivity is poor um, I have it turned off. Okay. Okay. That has I, yet um, to burn me, but, but I obviously can see where, where it would. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, the thing is also now, so I got a new plan. So my old plan was four fifty minutes, um, pay per text and, uh, and two gigs of data. I now switched to a unlimited voice, unlimited text, but one gig of data plan. So I have to be careful. And typically they, they looked at my usage. I typically use, uh, less than one gig on, on my phone per month. So, so I should be okay with, with the new plan that I have and it costs quite a bit less. Right. Yeah. 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 That's good. Uh, one other thing, I, in fact, we've got some cool stuff found, so we're going to, we're going to split this. I'm going to tell you about our, our second batch of sponsors in a minute here, but I do want to share another tip, uh, with iOS nine, as it kind of relates to this whole conversation. If you go into iOS nine, go into settings or go to your phone, that's running iOS nine, go into settings, and then go scroll down and go into phone. You will see on most carriers, I believe, uh, in the calls section right at the top, an option called Wi-Fi calling. Now, uh, you can turn that on. What it will do is it will make phone calls, but it will use Wi-Fi if you are in an, in an area where you've got Wi-Fi with low enough latency that the phone deems that it's going to be okay for calls. And, uh, and that way you're not dealing with, with poor signal getting in the way of your calls and all of that. The, the calls are still, uh, the calls are, are, are counted as calls. So if you have a minute limited plan, then, then they will be still be minutes. Uh, be aware if you have a data cap on whatever your Wi-Fi comes from, because obviously that's something to be aware of. Uh, many people, it's this very weird. I turned on Wi-Fi calling uh, during the iOS 9 beta, right toward the end of it. But I turned it on then and it enabled just fine for me standing in my house here in New Hampshire. Uh, you have to confirm your 911 address so that if it can't determine your location, it will just send people, you know, when you call 911, it'll send them to your address. But otherwise, the process went fine and it turned on fine. And I have actually seen Wi-Fi calling turn on here at my house. I just saw it uh, yesterday. No one else in my house can turn it on because when they go to do so, it says 
hey, this isn't available in your area. Despite the fact that I could be sitting right next to that person with my phone at the at the top saying AT&T Wi-Fi. So uh, so try and turn it on. They are rolling it out slowly kind of throughout the um, throughout mm. the U.S. at least. And, and I believe worldwide. So I I don't think that's an option with Verizon. Verizon. OK. Yet. Yep. I yeah. I think it's T-Mobile and AT&T. That's right. I think okay. you're right. Hey, I do. Uh, there's some other cool stuff found to go through. In fact, I have one that I want to tell you about, John, that I specifically hid on the agenda so I could be the one to tell you about it and you wouldn't be researching it. Uh, <laughs> but it. but first, I do want to talk about our second batch of sponsors here, if that's OK with you, my friend. Fine with me. I'm really happy to bring Bushel at Bushel.com slash MGG on board as a sponsor here. Bushel is a cloud-based mobile device management solution that allows you to manage all your iPhones, your iPads, your iPods, and your Macs from one really simple web interface. This means you get to see a device inventory. You see the capacity, what users are using which device, what apps are installed on those devices, and more. You can automatically configure email on all of your devices from one web interface. This means you get your users up and running really quickly without driving yourself crazy. And the thing is, Bushel is built so that you're not driving yourself crazy. It's for people for whom IT is a task, but not a career. You don't have to be an Uber geek to understand and use this stuff. You want to put apps on devices? You can automatically install apps from the App Store to all of your devices at once. Something happened to one of those devices? You can use Bushel to issue a remote wipe to that device. You get to manage all this stuff without having to physically touch the devices before the users get them. And Bushel is a web app and it's fully responsive, which means it looks great on your Mac, but it also looks great on your iPhone. So you can manage from anywhere. Finally, you get to do all this stuff that you've been doing at the office and it won't take you nearly as much time because you don't have to do it on a device by device basis. And here's the thing. Visit bushel.com slash MGG. You get three devices for free forever. So three slots free. You want to have more than three devices on your Bushel account? Great. No problem. It's two bucks a month per device, but the three are always free. You got to check this out. Bushel.com slash MGG. Thanks so much to you folks for coming on board. I'm really stoked to have you. This is a great tool. You, you, you really need to check it out. Bushel.com slash MGG. Speaking of responsive websites, I want to tell you about our next sponsor, Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. Squarespace allows you to build a fully responsive website that works perfectly on your Mac, anybody's Mac, anybody's Windows desktop. It works perfectly on every desktop. It works perfectly on every phone. It works perfectly on every iPad. The way they do this is Squarespace has professionally built templates. I mean, they spend months on each one of these templates, making them perfect for every device. And then they let you pick them. And that's how Squarespace works. You visit squarespace.com slash MGG. And the first thing that you do is pick a template. But then you get to customize it. But because they've put so much work into this, all your customizations are still going to work when the website responds to whatever device people are using. It's brilliant what they've done here. It really is. It's totally genius. And the cool part is because they build these templates this way, if down the road 
you decide, hey, I want things to look a little different. No problem. Just change the template. All your content flows into it. So here's the way it works. You go to squarespace.com slash MGG. You pick a template. You sign up. You get 14 days for free. Start working on your website, really tweaking things. You can put in your own content. If you have a WordPress blog, they'll actually slurp the content out of that so that you can just have it and not lose anything in your Squarespace uh, site. Everything's really easy to use. You're just moving stuff. It all happens inside the web browser. And then when you're ready to buy, coupon code MGG saves you 10%. But it's cheap. It starts at eight bucks a month. And if you sign up for a full year, which of course you want to do, you don't want to change your website all the time. You get a free domain with that if you start for a full year. And it's eight bucks a month before your MGG 10% discount. So you got to check this out. Squarespace.com slash MGG. 14 days to build your website, get it just right. And then when you launch, use coupon code MGG, saves you 10%. Really brilliant stuff. Thanks so much to you folks at Squarespace, squarespace.com slash MGG. Everybody, I really encourage you to check it out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, John, I promised you that I would tell you about this thing. So uh, you, like me, are a child of the the eighties. We grew up in the eighties, a couple of years apart, right? Uh, one of us is older than the other. I'm not going to point out which, John. Um, but uh, it, but we we both grew up it, steeped in not only the eighties, but but technology in the eighties. We played video games in the eighties, both in arcades together uh, on our computers, sometimes together, right? Um, everything there. I've been reading a book called Ready Player One. I started reading it on Thursday morning, uh, <laughs> the, the day I got on the airplane uh, to, to fly home. I was in Santa Barbara this week for a couple of meetings, which I'll be able to tell you about next week. And I read half of it. I had a movie I was going to watch on the planes, you know, because it was a long flight. By the time I got home, I hadn't turned on a, sil- a, a single thing. I read half this book. Uh, before I got home now, I'm just obsessed with finishing it, reading it at every moment I have. It's about a uh, a future where a video game designer kind of a- along the lines of a, you know, Richard Garriott kind of type person has created a virtual world and then uh, leaves a treasure behind for people to find. And he this guy was it, steeped in the 80s. And loved the 80s. And so all of this stuff happens here. And I mean, John, the references that are happening in this book are continually blowing my mind. Things like like Zork, uh, Captain Crunch, John Draper, right? Who's, who's actually kind of a mutual friend here. Uh, mm-hmm. All kinds of the I mean, it, it just it never stops. It gets better and better and better as the thing goes on. Uh, it, really fantastic. Yeah, you you. Of all the people I know, you are the one I was most excited to tell about this book. So I, I highly recommend it. And I'll, I'll put a link in the in the show notes, of course. But um, but I haven't finished yet. So anybody in the chat room today at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. Hello. Don't uh, don't ruin it, uh, it for me or, or tell me that you have ruined it. And I'll and I'll, I won't read up in the chat room. But uh, God, it's such a great book. And I believe they're making it into a movie. Have you read it, John? 
No, I haven't. No, okay. I did. it was just funny because when you uh, when you said that, the first thing that entered my head was another player enters the game. <laughs> yeah, right. I was visualizing a video game, but you're right. I, I did a search on it, and apparently there's an article saying that uh, Mr. Spielberg will be directing. I know uh, a version of that, which uh, and I don't want to ruin the books the books for any of you, but when you read it, you know, and there's there's a puzzles, and he's got to unlock some keys, and um, the last key. Uh, is is something i i mean there's so many things i want to see because there's these things from my you know from my childhood that that are talked about in this book and i'm 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 gonna love seeing them realized on the big screen i just i can't ruin it for you but i really i want to talk about it but i can't so i'm gonna leave it alone i know that was like the longest gushing cool stuff found you've ever heard from me but um it's pretty awesome (laughs) oh we're gonna have to wait a while Based oh, yeah? on what I found here, it's coming out in 2017. So, All right. Well, that uh, gives you enough time to read the book. The book is, is yeah, uh, yeah. obviously a very quick read. Um, you know, I'm, what am I, 78% done or something with it. I mean, it may be more than that. I think I'm in the 80s. I haven't been getting any sleep um, because I've just been obsessed with it. And I'm going to be like, you know, how it is when you finish a good book. You, you like go into that depressive funk. You're like, oh, Dang it, it's over. But I'll find something else. And then it'll be you fine. know what? I got to say, Google is frightening sometimes. So I searched for it, Dave. Sure. And the Google search came up, and I can uh, purchase it from either Google Play for yep. $9.99 or get an iBook for $9.99. Yeah. And I'm sure I could get a physical book as well. But, um, huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, everybody, you know, not everybody that, well, you know, it's funny. I should have brought it up while Lucas was here because I downloaded this book to my Kindle. Right. And uh, and then I was having trouble keeping and this was over the summer. I downloaded it to my Kindle and I was having trouble keeping my place. It was somebody at the uh, a listener uh, of ours. At, we were we were having dinner at Barry Falk's house for the, you know, the Max Doc kind of post Max Doc barbecue um, was recommended this to me. So I downloaded it and I started reading. I got like three pages in. And then my page was kind of all over the place. And I'm like, well, screw it. I moved on to something else. I, I don't know. And I saw Lisa was reading it. She's like, and we share a Kindle account, which was why my page was moving all over. I'm like, I'll let you finish. And then she burned through it and loved it. And, uh, and then I got involved in a couple other books and that's why I didn't start it till now. But she knew Lucas, my son, who was just here. I didn't need to point that out because you've just heard him that he would love it. She sent him a paperback copy at camp. And he did the same thing. He burned through it in like three days. He was like walking around camp, you know, through the fields and stuff with this book in his hand, reading any moment he possibly could. So, um, so, you know, even at, at his age and obviously not having lived through the references, but having parents who have, he, he has enough context on, on these references that he loved the book, but I think you'd love the book anyway. It's just one of those fun little reads. All right. I, I think I'm done. <laughs> I, we must, we must move on to a, another cool stuff found. Cause otherwise I'll just, Really what I want to do is end the show and, and go finish my book, but I can't do that. So we're back to, uh, we're back to cool stuff found here. Uh, a couple of things, John, uh, listener, John writes about, uh, about cool stuff found. He says, I've been meaning for many months to write about the Thunder Bay four from OWC with soft raid. Uh, he said in the past I've used Drobos. I've used the, uh, Drobo S and the 5D, so both direct connected Drobos and the soft raid, the Thunder, sorry, sorry, the Thunder Bay falls into this. Uh, very external, uh, various external USB and FireWire hard drives, etc. When I bought my current 27 inch iMac, there was no Mac Pro available, and so I had to look at alternatives. He said, The Thunder Bays are like having a Mac Pro again. 
I can put any drives in. I can add multiple Thunder Bays. I currently have two. They're just like having internal hard drives with smart support. They're hot swappable with Thunderbolt 2 connections. It frees up my USB ports. Soft RAID allows me to configure which drives are in a RAID. And I can also have two slots spare, for which I use for swapping out backup drives. So this is like, yeah, it's like adding drive bays to your Thunderbolt capable Mac. Uh, they're all addressable by OS 10. Very, very cool stuff, John. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a NAS unit, right? It's, it's not network attached. It's directly attached to your Mac and it's really taking Thunderbolt for what it should be, which is just expanding your Mac and, and not really limiting you, uh, in this way. So thank you, John. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, I, I had I had seen the Thunder Bay before until I read your email. I really didn't grok what the the huge benefit was, but now I get it. That's why we do these things. It's good stuff. Uh, does does that does the Thunder Bay come with the software? Or do you have to? Uh, that's a good question. It, I is is the I think I think it does. I think it comes with um. I think it comes with the software. Oh, why can't I find it here? Sometimes, sometimes Google is good and sometimes Google is not good, especially when you're trying to, uh, you know, do stuff here. So I, I'm not sure the one, the one question that I, that I think is, is the one that's worth asking is, does it, does it require its own software to manage these drives or does it let OS 10 do it? And I I think it might let us end to it, but we'll, we'll, we'll get that question answered. If somebody doesn't uh, in the chat room, doesn't know, or if you can't figure it out quickly. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce on to, to uh, Thierry here and we'll, uh, we'll p- perhaps come back to this. Thierry writes, I found this very interesting article on battery management at make use which we'll put in the show notes. The conclusion is a compromise between leaving things on all the time and using the laptop on battery power all the time and watch out for heat. I know this is what you guys have been advising your listeners, but this article explains it quite nicely. And it's a link you may want to add to your show notes. Absolutely. Says I use fruit juice to help me manage my battery. And it looks like fruit juice also helps you keep the juices flowing by giving you a target battery, by giving you target battery times for the day, which, uh, which is absolutely true. And, uh, and we'll put that link in the show notes. So thank you, Thierry. And I believe I am pronouncing your name correctly through your excellent uh, instruction. So we'll, we'll do that. I like it, John. I like it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they appear to, it looks like you get a discount uh, on software. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think a separately priced software. And I've, I just wanted to mention, you know, I was curious. But, mm. um, yeah, I think separately priced software is uh, 179 And it looks like you, you pay less than that if you bundle it with, uh, with their array here. Nice. Um, the only thing is I've used software in the past. So the thing, uh, the one advantage when I was looking at the trial. So, of course, you can set up a RAID array through disutility, or at least with the old one. Right. So you don't need soft RAID with this, right? You can, it, it just with the Thunder Bay from OWC, it just, it just works. Right. Yeah. The thing is my experience with soft RAID is that their implementation is much better than Apple's, especially because I I did this for a while. And, and if a drive falls off of the array with Apple software, bringing it back takes a real long time. It's really kind of dumb. Whereas soft RAID, 
when I had a drive drop off and I brought it back, it, it, it was a lot smarter about bringing a drive back if, if for whatever reason it uh, wasn't, wasn't connected. So that really isn't an issue with one of these things, though, though it would be if you're trying to build your own and, you know, plugging and unplugging USB drives, which is what I was doing for a while. I, I stopped that. Though. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. What else? Uh, on the subject of uh, cool stuff found that of other articles and such, Allison Sheridan over at podfeet.com and the Nozilla cast made a great video that explains kind of in, in, in very layman's terms, why strong and specifically unique passwords matter to us normal folks. And, uh, and so she goes through a, a whole thing on that. She made a, a YouTube video about it and, uh, and so we will we will link to that in the show notes, too. And as usual, I believe I have lost my good friend, Mr. John F. Braun. So I believe he's back now. So. Right. You're back, John. Oh, maybe not. We'll try that one more time. Mr. Braun, are you back? Yeah. What's going on over there? Uh-oh, oh, hang on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't. uh I was trying to do this on the fly this time, so I didn't capture the the audio the right way. Say that again, Mister Braun. There we go. That's yeah, I heard myself. Like, yeah, huh. yeah, 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 yeah. It crashed again. Wow. Skype has crashed three times during this show. So, uh, yeah, fun stuff. I guess I better better send in a question. And I, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I might, we might need to bounce up to a a newer version of of Skype. So we don't we don't always upgrade yeah. here because we 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 get into and if it ain't broke don't fix it mode. But clearly something about today is broke. But nothing has yeah. changed on this computer, so it could just be a, simply a maybe uh, it's my my new uh, router is uh, is uh, sending too many pummeling you or something. Yes, that's right. That's but right. um yeah. So you were wrapping up uh, Allison's video, which Correct. I also thought she she did a fine job of telling you why. Um. Yeah, of telling you why you should have different passwords. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because <laughs> if somebody doesn't know what they're doing and they, and they scrape uh, your password off of one site, then they can start going to all your other sites. Yeah, no, I thought she did a fine job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. All right, what else do we have here? Uh, I'm going to go back to Thierry here and see if I can find advice for those of you either that uh, live well where it's sunny all the time or soon to be sunny because the world changes depending on where you live. Anyway, here uh, here we go. Hi, Dave, John. Um, I was listening to this Thierry here from Mauritius. I was listening to the Episode 564, towards the end, you mentioned something. Some guy was looking for a portable battery solution. You mentioned the uh, anchor and the tilt and everything. Um, so I looked it up. Very nice. But uh, I came across this beautiful um, solar um, solution called the Sunjack. I saw that on the Gromit. I don't know if you heard of that site, the Gromit. Got lots of uh, really good gadgets. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to try and put the link to the, to the product uh, in this email. Just look it up. I think it's really good. Cheers. And Thanks, Terry. Sorry if I cut you off there. I thought you, maybe you were going to give us your, your contact information. I don't like to share that. Uh, 
that's awesome. Sunjack.com is where uh, he was pointing us there. So we'll put that in both the show notes, right? And here, here in the, uh, a link in the, in the, in the chapterized both MP3 and AAC for you. I think a last cool stuff found is going to be something from Joe. Joe points out that he says, I have always wished that find my friends would be added to the Mac. I recently discovered that it is sort of, I always noticed the neck, the neat feature with messages on my phone. When you're in a conversation, you can tap details in the upper right corner. This gives you more information, including location information of iOS users who are sharing their details with you. The same button is available on Mac OS 10 Yosemite. In messages, there is a details button in the upper right corner of the main messages window. Tapping the button shows you the user location and other details. Thanks, Joe. This is good, good stuff. I really like it. Hey, I got a couple other things. I guess this could be called the cool stuff found, John. Your your Verizon device, as with all Verizon devices, comes unlocked, which is quite handy. If you are what not, what does that mean? Well, it means that you can put in a SIM from any other carrier and have it work on your phone. Uh, that's not the case with every phone that uh, that is sold, especially phones that are on either finance plans that are not Apple's. Specifically, AT and T's uh, leaves a phone locked while under the term of its finance plan. Uh, other carriers do the same thing, but carriers do have to unlock the phone once you've fulfilled whatever your obligation to them is. AT&T makes it easy to do these unlocks. And here's a little secret. So a year ago, I bought my iPhone 6S. Uh, sorry. A year ago, I bought my iPhone 6 Plus. I didn't live in the future a year ago. So I bought the 6 Plus, um, the AT&T, what they call the next 12 plan, which would have let me upgrade right now. I did not. I'm keeping that phone. So I'm the next 12 plan is actually a 20 month finance program for the phone. So I'm going to continue paying for eight more months. The phone is still under this contract of the, you know, the 20, 20 month finance program. And it's, that's all fine. Technically that phone should not be unlockable. Well, the other day I went to AT&T's device unlock portal at att.com slash device unlock. And guess what? It uh, you, you go through a little thing. You put in the IMEI number of the phone and some details about your AT&T account. And then it says, I'm going to send you an email to confirm that this is you. You get the email. You click the button in the email to confirm that you're the one that asked for it. And then they go about processing the unlock. They say that they'll take 48 hours. They won't. They'll take maybe 48 seconds and they'll get right back to you. Well, 48 seconds later, I had an email saying, congratulations, your device is unlocked. Now, that's not. What happens at this point is an interesting path for iPhones. The carriers issue the unlock request, but they send it to Apple and the phone doesn't get unlocked until you restore your phone from, you know, to, to scratch. You can then restore from a backup, but you have to wipe your phone. And it's during that activation process of wiping the phone that iTunes or your phone itself, but usually it's iTunes will go through and check with Apple to see if your phone can be activated. When it's doing that, it also checks to see if your phone is able to be unlocked. And if it is, then iTunes issues the unlock command to your phone. When I, but sometimes that communication between AT&T and Apple takes a few days. Sometimes it's immediate, and sometimes it takes a little bit. 
So as soon as I got that thing, I thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to unlock my uh, my six plus. So I shot a backup and I went through the restore process and, you, and I didn't get you'll get a, a message from iTunes that says, congratulations, this phone is unlocked. I did not. I did it twice. And finally, it was like, this is ridiculous. Keeping to restore my phone. I know I'm getting a new one soon, so I'll just wait until then. I moved over to the 6S Plus when I got that the other day. And then once all was said and good there, I wiped my phone to get it ready to pass to Lisa. And sure enough, a week and a half after I had tried this uh, before going in an iTunes, it said, you're good to go. Your phone's unlocked. And I confirmed it by putting in my T-Mobile SIM from my iPad, which I have my iPad mini and, and it worked just fine. So, uh, so I guess the moral of the story is know that you can and should unlock your phone when you have the ability to do so. And you might be able to do it ahead of schedule. Now, of course, I tried this yesterday with my brand new 6S Plus thinking Man, maybe sometimes you can slip one past the goalie. Uh, no, no, I was denied. They said you're still part of a finance package. So I'll try again in a few months and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, but you, it, I have I have read stories of you being able to kind of, you know, slip them by. So what specifically what um, what happens if you put in another SIM? Does it just ignore it? No, or does it does it come up and say, sorry, you're I, I, I can't work with this SIM. That's correct. Yeah, it's a it's a it's like a, you know, hard stop. You can't do anything here. You need to put in a SIM that is with the carrier. That, OK, yeah. so you, you get an error message. Big time. Just, yeah. Okay, but then um, yeah, and also our, our our friend Allison, I think, wrote in and explained to us. So so yeah, I actually had the unlock uh, starting with the five S. Right, because you're on okay. Verizon, right? Well, because I think when there were negotiations over acquiring Spectrum, I think one of the parties uh, who didn't get Spectrum wanted wanted to uh, basically said, okay, well, if we're going to allow Verizon to get this part of Spectrum, then one of the conditions should be that they offer, have to offer all their devices unlocked. I think she said she just traveled and her MiFi yeah. was also unlocked, which is, you know, a portable uh, access point right. if you will, that Verizon offers. And that's also unlocked. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging Verizon. And actually, some other Verizon news that I saw recently, Dave, um, apparently now they are stepping up their game. They're not paying me to say this. I'm just a happy customer so, so, <laughs> so far. But apparently now they, they also released something saying, so I did the two-year payment plan. Sure. But- if I want to, um, and maybe the other guys do this too, but if I want to, after a year, if right. I feel it necessary to upgrade to whatever the phone is, then though I think I'll stick with this for two years. Yeah, that that's that's. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's what we were talking about last week. Is is Verizon has it used to be called their Verizon Edge plan. They renamed it to their Verizon Device Installment Program plan. But yeah, that that's how all the finance packages now work, including Apple's. Where at the one year mark or AT&T has one, you know, I, like I said, I'm on the next 12 plan, which is just like what you're talking about at the 12 month mark. You can roll it if you can trade in if you want. Apple's is a 12 month thing. If you trade in if you want. And Verizon's is a 12 month thing. Trade in if you want. Um, huh. It's essentially like you've 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 bought a car or a phone on a lease with the option to buy. Right. right. And and your trade in value is predetermined. Just like with a car, there are some there are some limits on your ability to trade in for the predetermined value. With a car, it's related to both condition and mileage. With the phone, it's mostly just condition. They don't care how many miles you've driven so, the, the phone around. So I, I get, you know, it's just funny because I mean, I get that it's good for Apple to do this because 
Apple sells more phones and they make more money. That's good for them. But I mean, isn't there going to be a glut of all these used phones at some point? Or maybe that's that's good, too, is well, um, they sell those. At I the guess the carriers. Here. Yeah. Well, I guess the carriers, their interest is they want you to, they don't want to make money on the phone anymore. Now they, they want to make money on the uh, service, right? Which is what it's always been. Yeah. Yeah. The carriers have always yeah. made money on the service. This is this is not optimal for the carriers, but but it's been forced here. T-Mobile and Sprint really are the ones that kind of drove this home. And Verizon and AT&T had to get on board. Otherwise, they would lose all their customers. So it's good. No, it's really good. All right. A couple oh, of. OK. A couple of other things. No, I see, I see oh. in our room here, in our chat room, which, uh, how, how do you get to our chat room? MacGeekGeb.com slash stream. Yeah, I guess they say, because, you, you know, I was wondering too, so I, I traded in my 5S, which uh, now, at least from Verizon, is supposedly free. Right. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really help them that much, does it? <laughs> it keeps you out <laughs> of the guess plan. Someone in a, uh, but Brian in the chat room here said that they typically... Uh, uh, sell those uh, overseas and I guess they, they do get some money for them. Right. Well, that's why Gazelle makes or, money, you know, buying phones from people and they, they can, they can sell them out the back door, uh, you know, in bulk. And I mean, there's a whole market for this stuff, both for parts and like, you know, for phones. Uh, and I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, there's a whole recycling business okay. there and a lot of money to be made. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, like you said, there's some conditions, like in my case, the condition is that your phone has to work right. for us to give you money, money <laughs> back for it, which, which it did. It's reasonable. Yeah. Okay. All right. A couple of, uh, a couple of things. Maybe these will be the last two. Uh, Jeff writes, he said, uh, he, he was talking about iOS nine content blockers. And, and if you want to hear my thoughts about them, ensure the, 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 the spoiler alert, I actually like them. And, and we'll talk about a little bit of that here, perhaps. But uh, but I talked a lot about it on, on Timo's Daily Observations and also wrote some articles. But I, I think it's a good thing and a good thing to shake up the ad industry, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Google AdSense, the, the online ad industry was awesome until Google ad, AdSense came along. And I knew it the day that they showed up that this was not going to be a good thing for anyone, not an advertiser. Well, a good thing for Google because they made a lot of money from it and still do. But anyway, Jeff writes... Sometimes when in Starbucks, I'll join their Wi-Fi network using my iPad. And then, of course, I turn on TunnelBear to secure my connection. However, today when I attempted to join the Starbucks Wi-Fi hotspot, I connected to the hotspot okay, but I could not get to the internet. At first, I thought there was a problem with their internet connection, but then I remembered I had updated to iOS 9 and installed a content blocker, BlockBear, which is also made by the TunnelBear folks. I turned off the content blocker and tried connecting to the hotspot again, and the sign-in acceptance page appeared which I accepted, and then I was connected to the internet without any problems. So it appears that the content blocker apps can block public hotspot sign-in pages from loading, thereby preventing you from joining the hotspot. I didn't try it, but whitelisting the sign-in page and its URL in your content blocker might allow it to load okay. And that's a great point. Yeah, these these content blockers uh, can block things that you don't want blocked, especially uh, in, in that sense. So good stuff. Thank you for, for sharing that, Jeff. I like it. It's good. Wow. That's a good reminder. It Another is. reminder. Yep. I found this out the other day. So I was out and about with my shiny new phone here, Dave. Yep. And as you probably know, we have optimal Wi-Fi here. Yes. Uh, there's also uh, TWC and uh, Xfinity. Yep. And I think they all have a cross agreement here. And it was funny because I was out somewhere and all of a sudden my phone asked me to log in and I'm like, oh, that's right. Because what you do, at least with this service, and I think the other ones too, is that you submit the MAC address of your Wi-Fi interface of your device, and then it automatically logs in. It doesn't prompt you. So, so Xfinity... Just a reminder of what, what, 
at least the, with Optimum and maybe other services, is once you get your shiny new toy, make sure that you update the MAC addresses of the devices that are allowed to access. Now, what, what is, how does yours work? Well, so Xfinity has added something uh, relatively new. I had to log my new phone into the Xfinity system. Again, they just, they log your Mac address automatically. They don't need you to enter it, but uh, you know, I just log in with my Xfinity account and then it lets me on. And when I did that, it said, Hey, would you like to have an even more secure connection when you're connected to Xfinity hotspots, either from your iOS device or your Android device or your Mac device? And I said, yes. And it downloaded a profile to my iPhone uh, that I had to accept and put in there. And now it will automatically join Xfinity hotspots and presumably does some security negotiation with this profile. I've got to dig more into it. It just happened yesterday. I took some screenshots. I haven't really dug in, but I, for anybody that is an Xfinity customer, uh, I encourage you to go through this process because it, it, it has made my phone, even in the last 24 hours, I can tell it's way more reliable when on these kind of roaming Xfinity hotspots than it ever has been before. So I encourage you to log out, log back in and get this, this thing. And I'll, I'll find out how to, how to get you there. I didn't expect to go there here, go here today, but, but since you brought it up, uh, I figured, I figured I'd well, by it profile, out. I think what you mean is a certificate, which should well, yeah, create a VPN. Correct. Or, encrypt, or a secure, more secure connection. That's right. Huh? Yep. That's pretty fancy. I know. I know. I was pretty stoked about it. So again, I got to dig in and, and I'll, I'll teach you how to get there. I, I don't know. How, I just kind of got there because I had a new phone and it, it brought me there. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't pretty think my guys do that, but they do offer AC. I know that because of course now sure. success is uh, is AC. Um, but yeah. I don't think they install a cert. You'd, I'd still have to run something like, uh, you know, I run open VPN or of course, uh, you know, our pal tunnel bear is another yep. great way to, uh, uh, secure your connection. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, Impressive. you know, when I was in, in Santa Barbara this week, I just left tunnel bear on the whole time. And, uh, it's awesome because even jumping networks or whatever, it just turns itself back on. It's obsessive about it when, when it's turned on. And, uh, and it was nice to know that my connection was just secure and, 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 you know, taken care of the whole time, no matter where I was. I do want to kind of wrap this thing up with Simon's comment here about, uh, about ads specifically and offer, a uh, some context for why we do what we do here. Simon says, I love the chaptered ads. If you ask me, it's way better because if you want to listen to an ad, you can, but if you know them, you don't have time or don't want to listen to the ad, then you can skip it. Why is this good? You ask? Well, I think it's a psychological thing because I can skip when I skip, I make the decision. We have sky plus here. And I can honestly say, since I got it eight years ago, we have barely seen an advert on TV to the extent that I hate watching live television now. Yet with your show, we're in the UK, so I skip a lot of the ads. Yet when my curiosity takes, or when you have a new supporter, I do listen at least once. So keep changing advertisers? No. When it came time to swap out our bed this summer, the first thing I did was go to back, go back and find a Casper mattress, and then I looked them up, of course, to find that they only shipped to the USA. It didn't matter. Their info helped me in my research, and we got a, a Tempora memory foam mattress here. And you're spot on. I, you know, I've always said that I don't consider skipping the ads in this show a problem at all. Uh, I do consider it ad blockers, uh, uh, you know, I'm not against them, as I said, but but there there is a problem with them because you don't know what you're missing. And that's the problem for the publisher, right? You know, I, I want to be able to show you, here's my sponsor. If you want to learn more, great. But all I want to do is show you my sponsor, right? You don't have to buy from them. You don't have to 
to anything. You don't even have to learn more about them. I just want to show you the ad. And that's what we do here. And we do strive to make the, the ad spots uh, concise so that we're not taking up too much of your time. But I get it. If you already know about Casper, for example, and there's nothing new for me to tell you because they haven't given us anything new, which is fine. Consistency and message is, is a valuable thing. I'm okay with you skipping. And I don't see that as a problem at all. You know what you're skipping. You know, you hear me say, am I, you know, our next sponsor is Casper. Fine. You're like, yep, I already have one, you know, success. I don't need the ad anymore. Skip away. Totally fine because you know what you're skipping. And that that's where that's where online needs to, you know, on the web needs to go to. And and ads didn't used to be as intrusive as they are. And, and I think we've done a great job at Backbeat ensuring that the stuff that we sell directly is not. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so I appreciate your comment here, Simon. And and I'm I'm totally with you. It, you have crystallized what we've been, uh, you know, kind of what we believed here for a long time. And uh, and I appreciate it. So thank you for saying that. And with that, John, I think we have to wrap up because this this show will be the longest show we've ever done. If we're if we're not careful here, feedback at Matt is the address to which you can send your feedback, questions, tips, cool stuff found. We'll do we'll be doing more cool stuff found. John and I are going to go to about 65 uh, press events between now and, uh, what? you know, like Thursday or something. So uh, so there, there will be another full cool stuff found episode. So keep sending that stuff in. We try to get a good one in before the holidays really kick off. And uh, and so we got some stuff more. I guess this is more tips than cool stuff found. But that was a good thing. I like I think flow. you meant we're going to see 65 vendors, not go to 65 press events. <laughs> oh, dude, you know, between now and the end of November, we're going to be like inundated with cool stuff. So um, so we'll find it. But you folks, you folks are a huge part of what makes cool stuff found a success. So please, please send in your stuff and, and yeah. we'll all share. So you know what, Dave? Good. I'm going to save some time, and I'm not going to mention uh, the address that you should write to us again, which is feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I think you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com, and I appreciate you being efficient about that. That's good. 206-666-GEEK <laughs> is the phone number you can call to dial us when you need to say something, and John Geek is... Four three three five. Premium at MacGeekGab.com is the email address for all of you folks that support us directly with a, uh, a premium with our premium program, and that is one of your big perks. So please feel free to use that. It's never a problem. We've had quite a few of you say, "Oh, it feels odd. I don't like to use the premium address." Uh, you're a premium supporter. It's part of the deal. Feel free to. It's no problem. It's why we do it. Part of why we do it. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com. Actually, you know what? It's easier. Go to macgeekgab.com slash Facebook. That'll bring you right to our awesome Facebook community. Come and check it out with us. John, there's a million people I want to thank here, but I'm going to start with you. It's been a fun show, my friend, so thank you. I want to thank, thank Lucas for being here. Thank you. I appreciate that, John. Uh, I want to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Of course, our podcast marketplace includes all kinds of things, right? New today to the marketplace, Crucial at Crucial.com. Also, Bushel at Bushel.com slash MGG. iMazing, as we mentioned earlier, at iMazing.com. MGG gets 20% off. Squarespace.com slash MGG with coupon. MGG gets you 10% off. 
Additionally, Gazelle at gazelle.com, tunnelbear.com slash MGG. You got to check them out. You get 20% off there too. Smile at smilesoftware.com. Linda at lynda.com slash MGG. I say that 10 times fast. MaxSales.com is the home of Otherworld Computing. We talked about them during this show. Barebones Software, barebones.com. And of course, I want to thank all of you. So thanks everybody for helping make all of this possible. We wouldn't and couldn't do it without you. John, you brought us into, actually Lucas brought us into this thing today, but he's not here. He's taking the second part of his geometry final. So I need you to help us get out. What's some advice? You I'm going to help share? us. Yeah. It's advice that's applicable to almost every aspect of your life. And the advice that we have to offer you is don't get caught. Made up. 